Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of True True True. Tonight we're discussing uh, episode three. Check the the title of tonight's uh, show was Maybe Tomorrow. Maybe Tomorrow to me felt a lot like a father and son episode. Everything about it had the tendency of someone young teaching someone, uh, you know, old and vice versa. Student becomes teacher, teacher becomes student. But it starts off with a great, fantastic fantasy sequence, if you will. And uh, instantaneously we're taken back to the bar and we meet Valcuro's father, who's also Remo Williams in the movie universe for all you film buffs out there. Chick, what did you think coming back from last weekend's uh, season, you know, the cliffhanger episode? Uh, I gotta say we were right. You know, he didn't, he didn't pass away. We were probably the first ones to, re- to report on that. So big ups to us there. Uh, second off, I gotta admit, man, much like the uh, Carrie Fukunawa-esque film director in the end scene. I was a little drunk when I watched the episode last night, so I don't think I got all the straight nuance of it, but out the gate, I did appreciate the David Lynchian uh, dream sequence. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, and uh, the Elvis impersonator. I, I, I forgot to look up who that guy was, but kudos to that guy for putting in a hell of a performance. <laughs> yeah, he reminded me of a pocket dial performance up there. <laughs> So uh, there's some great dialogue. He's like, you know, what is this place? And he's like, I don't know. You were here first. And it's like the whole purgatory thing move, move to him with a gunshot wound in his chest. And then we uh, smash cut to the apartment in West Hollywood. Velcro's on the floor. Velcro looks dead to me, dude. For at least 10 seconds yeah. there, I'm like, he's dead. And then, boom, yeah. he pops right yeah. back up. Straight Michael Myers pose, you know what I mean? Coming at you. <laughs> But uh, I yeah, can't say it wasn't a surprised. Blue, blue, blue hue. You know, uh, it's like you said, his face, his face stood out like a blue hue. It seemed like you thought he was a, you know, dad of myself there. But yeah, he popped up, and uh, then the rubber hit the road. It was all for about four after that point. You probably didn't pick this up because you were in a different uh, elevated state last night. But uh, did you hear him say, "I pissed myself out loud"? Ah, uh, yeah, I heard that. I got a good laugh out of that. And then I like how she referred to something like this around here. She was quite upset for the fact that, you know, I mean, obviously he didn't call, you know, his partner working the case, you know. And then he gets himself shot up, not with rock salt, but with riot shells, rubber bullets. And, right, um, right. Oh, okay, well. She was pissed. Bezridis. I like how, I like how he did, like, look at her direction when he's like, like a cop uses. I know, right? Like the, implying that, uh, you know, yeah. Nah, no, no suggestion. So, yeah, we'll have to wait because there's obviously probably just a building sequence of events. A lot of story in this one. I mean, the whole thing with um, 
I mean, right off the, the bat, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so why is Crowman shooting Velcoro with rubber bullets? Why not just kill him? Obviously, they want Velcoro alive for something. Because they didn't use no rubber bullets when they shot off Casper's dick. Maybe they did. Well, what, you think so? But they also give him, like, lividity and stuff. So, like, you know, they tortured him. Yeah, well, it's not a form of torture if you just, like, you know, blow off the old bronzer there. <laughs> <laughs> What does that even mean? I, I mean? What I'm saying, you know, uh, they killed him. They didn't kill him with a with a shotgun blast. They killed him with. Uh, how, how did Chester die? I, I'm, I'll have to go back and exactly examine the autopsy case again. But uh, you know, it, yeah. it just that's just the one thing that to me was just okay. So I mean, obviously he would die. Also, too, here on the true true Bobcast, we have put out a video true. on Instagram. My brother Sam, he goes under the handle Are We Delusional? About oh, a year ago. Best. About a year ago, him and uh, Michael Galasso. Actually, you know what? Let's give him a call here on the Bobcast. True Bobcast. Hello? There he is here on the True Bobcast. Mickey. True Bobcast. Please welcome to the show, Mike Galasso. Yo, what's up, Mike? How you doing, man? We're doing, going? we're doing good. We're talking about True Detective here, and we just got to the part where we're talking about your story and your connection to last week's Cliffhanger episode. Oh, the connections, the connections. Um, so, yeah, so in the last episode, we see Ray Velcro investigate um, Casper's apartment in Hollywood, and there's a lot of freaky masks in there, and it looks kind of S&M. And then our crow man comes and shoots it up. Um, now that apartment is in Hollywood on Kingsley, right by Jumbo's Clown Room. And uh, in August, I visited the place to see it, to rent it. Um, and Sam, your brother, actually went with me the first time I went to see it. Um, like, what was what filled through your mind? Like, you know, when they when Velcro walks down that like dark alley, and then. I guess he walks in through the back door into the kitchen area. When did you realize, oh my God, I'm in the crow man's lair? I actually realized when he approaches the apartment from the outside, and you can see the, like, it's kind of like a Moroccan lantern. Oh, cool. So wait, so that uh, exterior before they went to the apartment was the same apartment complex? They didn't shoot somewhere else? Yeah, the same apartment. It was a two-bedroom apartment. And the part that he walks under is actually the balcony from the second floor bedroom um and he enters in the back through the kitchen and off of that kitchen there's like a small patio with a tiled love bench or lefty bench uh, and i guess i recognized it first when he walks up outside because that lantern i recognized and the balcony overhang i recognized right away and uh it definitely tripped me out i was like whoa <laughs> crazy yeah 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 I gotta ask you at this point, did it add an extra, uh, you know, psychic level to the show's uh, ambiance? Did it make it a little more creepy for you? It definitely did. I was tripping when all that went down in the last episode. So what was the uh, reason... That's like, so cool. You went and you looked at the place you said worn once. Why didn't you move in there? Uh, well, it was a little too expensive. It was uh, 2450 a month, which was just kind of out of my price range. Yeah, man. The Crow, um, Crow Man's got good taste. Yeah, it's got that past space, man. It's all, like, 1920s-style architecture in there. Um, 
there's a clawfoot bathtub on the on the uh, first floor, and then the second floor there's another bathroom. So it's definitely worth its price, um, but not <laughs> not for me. <laughs> now, now let me ask you a question. Do you think if you would have rented that apartment, then the crowman would have shot out for a completely different environment? All I can say is I'm glad I didn't rent it because I definitely tripped out and was like, holy shit, I almost rented that place. And had I watched the show while living there, I probably would have been way more freaked out. Yeah, it was crazy when my brother said, yo, Bobby, you got to check this out. Sends me over the video of you guys going in through the front door and then it turns the corner. Like he had texted me, he's like, we looked at Velcoro's house, and then when I saw the video, I was even, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy here on the True, True Bobcast. True Bobcast. Mike, thanks for uh, sharing the video with us here. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for tuning in to the True Bobcast. Uh, are you still doing uh, your artwork? You still have a website you want to plug away? Uh, we'll plug it. Uh, I'm on Tumblr. You can find me at Um My website's there. Uh, me up on Instagram at Magart, M-A-G-A-R-T, and yeah, that's it. All right, Mike. Well, we appreciate you sh- uh, sharing your story. Yeah. The True Detective, we wish Thanks you well. Uh, have fun. My brother's back out there in California. Have a fantastic time this weekend. We will. Thank you, guys. All right, Mike. Have a good one. Have a good one. All right, late. True. Yeah, that was Mike Galasso here on the True Bobcast. Uh, Chick, you know, the story moves forward. You know, a lot of people are giving our man a lot of flack still on the internet, on Twitter. Nobody likes Vince Vaughn as Frank Simone. (laughs) Yo, I love Frank's story, dude. I love it. I love his struggle. I love Frank. I love when he's like... And and again, uh, you know, I just want to let the audience know, when you listen to True Bobcast, you're getting content that you can't hear anyone else. In episode one of True Bobcast, we were talking about how Frank Simon represents the semen of the world or whatever, and here he is already trying to dish out a, a wine in a cup. You know what I'm saying? I mean, is it not that clear to us here at the True Bobcast? And you here is our viewing audience. Yeah, we love you, Vince Vaughn. Uh, did I ever mention here on the True Bobcast uh, when uh, Drew Reed and I, we were in Los Angeles in, I think, 2005, and believe it or not, we were riding Razor scooters down the Hollywood Boulevard. And who is at a red light but Vince Vaughn in, like, a convertible. And he gave us a – we looked at him, and, like, I said to Reedy, I'm like, yo, it's Vince Vaughn. And then we both looked at him, didn't say nothing. He just looked at us, and he pointed at us. Then he gave us a thumbs up, and then he gave us the peace sign. And that's the Vince Vaughn here on the True Bobcast. True Bobcast. But Frank's story, yeah, dude. I love, the oh. whole con- I love the whole connections we got going on to the True Detective Bobcast. I feel like we're actually part of the show. I don't know if any critics feel that way, but I certainly do. I feel like it's getting very meta. And now that we're involved with the kicks, the e-sinks, and the Belcourt Murder House, and the Vince Vaughn Red Light situations, I think we are the best place to tune in to the reviews of the show. True. True. True on that. True, true, true. True. But yeah, Frank, (laughs) we'll just skip ahead to his whole arc in the the series. So spoilers if you haven't seen the episode and you're an idiot for even listening to the show still, because it's the best thing since sliced bread. But Frank... Gets to a certain point where you know he's like, "Who's coming at me? Who wants what I have?" Like, and he has this moment of just pure insanity. One of his boys is found dead, and I guess some shop that he owns, his eyes have been cut out as well, and he can't figure out, you know, who's doing this to him. He can't control anything in his world now. For the first time, he can't control his his married life. He can't control, you know, his business life with Casper, leaving him with all this money. 
And uh, Frank has, I think, the best scene in episode three. It's when Frank goes to the, I guess, the old strip bar. I think it's called. Uh, oh yeah. Infinity. And oh, no, it's not that. It's something. Here on the True Bombcast. But um. Huh. Yo, I love that scene, dude. When he busts up in there and like he's oh. like trying to like he's like telling him about spreading the word to Casper. And then, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, that fight scene was great. Oh yeah. Do you want to squab? Yeah, I mean that guy. He played a good role. That guy. He was a. Yeah, yeah. He was like, uh, you can leave your rings on. <laughs> I know. I like that part. Yeah, Vince Vaughn is murder in this role. But yeah, you know, it, it kind of opens up the, the question: Is Vince Vaughn secretly behind it all? Nah. He, why would he be though? Think about it. It's his money. Hey. Hey. Think about it. It's true. 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 But 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 I I finally started reading that people are thinking that he's the one who. Uh, Ordered the attack on Valpora's wife. The, the critics are finally catching up to us again, man, with that. They're, they're starting to think about that theory like we had so long ago. Here on the true Bobcast. Yeah, but when Frank takes that guy down with a... I mean, headbutt... Have you ever headbutted somebody in your life? Nah. Yeah, no, why, not why, like why, that, man. Why would you use your head to slam it against somebody else's skull? It just seems nuts. I, it's it, True, but he could have punched him because he had some series of right hooks that were fantastic. But um, you know, I I actually watched the uh, Isaac versus uh, what was the guy's name Ishmael fight. Yeah, <laughs> the fight night from years ago, and uh, Isaac, uh, our DJ, his operator, Pocket Dial, kind of reminded me of this ball he crossed there. He had a, he had some of the moves. Yeah, Jeremy Haynes uh, has told me that Isaac reminds him of Dirt Nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what we want here on the true bombcast. So Frank takes him down, dude, and then he takes out the gold teeth. I think he says something, too. Oh, yeah. He says something like, that's no way to greet the world or something like that when he takes out the caps that spell fuck you. I always thought he said I always hated these. But then he says something else towards the end. Go back there in True Detective and listen to it. Yeah, but, yeah um, I'm a little inebriated. And then the other aspect, I guess, of the whole show that is still, I guess, a... A subplot. It almost feels like another movie within the TV show is the, you know, the Paul Woodrow sex scandal dude going on where he's in the closet, I guess, and he had a lover in Black Mountain, and we meet this guy at a bike, yep. bike jamboree. Yeah, that's a, I think, you know, I'm going to come out and say it, uh, ironically enough, that uh, I think it's something more than just that, though. Because, like, come on, man, it's 2015, being closeted, being gay, I mean... It's got to be more than that. Maybe he's trans. Maybe, like, you know, something else. Yeah, maybe there's something else going on there. But he did spend a couple quality days with this other guy, and uh, they have a very embarrassing scene. And then we see that uh, Velcuro's Bullock character, I guess, from Gotham in True Detective this season, is taking photographs of Paul right. from yeah the top. So why are they watching Paul? I mean, that's why I was saying the, the screws are getting tight, man. Everyone's, like, kind of... You know, in it's all kind of crushing itself. It's like the sun. You know, it's like a, it's like the gravity is so immense that it's just, it's all crushing itself. It's crazy. I, I, I can't deny how awesome it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, this this season's totally different than season one. I mean, I've been telling my neighbor Big Al to watch season one with uh, Woody and you know. Yeah, did you see the picture I posted on Twitter of them two watching it together in bed? <laughs> Ah, no, no. But, uh, that sounds like a good picture. Anyway, 
you know, basically, um, yeah, you know, that part with uh, Bezzarides and Paul when they went to the mansion to, to the mayor's house, and then the Russian chick yeah. next to the door. I think she was Russian. I'm not sure. But what was your initial thoughts on that? Because that's that felt like a scene straight out of the 80s or something. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, very indicative of the character of the mayor, that Boozhound fiend. He's obviously, like, you know, pilfering cash. And he's obviously making money hand over fist there. And uh, I'm not surprised he lived in that lair with that son of his. I like that guy. Yeah, how about Bezzarides? <laughs> just no, makes her way all around the house, too. She's just like, yeah, with no regard, I'm just going in. No warrant, warrant nothing. Do you, think that, do you think that was in response to Velcoro's, uh, you know, own expeditions? I guess. I mean, they just kind of went up in there, dude. I'm surprised Paul gets away with so much, too, being that he's just a, he's not even a detective, really. It keeps telling everybody he's working for, you know, special, you know, services and shit. I have a feeling that next week we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit of the old, uh, you know, the magnet, the true detective, like real thing. Like, because next week we're entering into the territory where the critics, no one's seen the next episode yet. It's not out there in the psychosphere. So I think they're gonna hit us with the one two next week. I think we got a lot to go. I'm really excited this week. Again, I was in and out for obvious reasons, but uh, I'm looking forward to next week. What's with the water? Booze tends to take the edge off. I want to stay angry. <laughs> but yeah, Velcoro, dude, he's back. And I think I can see the character arc coming up for him. It's the redemption story of him getting his life together. The scenes where he's in with the doctor and the doctor's asking him how much he drinks. How much how his body's... Fun. Like, uh, he's like, uh, do you do drugs? He's like, a few. But uh, <laughs> Colin Farrell, uh, you know, correction too, in the last Bobcast, I think you referred to him as Colin Firth. Yeah, no doubt. I totally did that. Well, we got to give him respect here. Ray Velcoro, the standout character for us here on the True Bobcast. Uh, you know, th- the whole thing culminates into what is one of the most craziest chase sequences ever on True Detective. They go to the guy's house. They eventually find a lead through a movie studio and some CDS director with a Steven Seagal-type ponytail talking about like parties. Like Fuk- Hmm? He looked like... They're saying that was like shot at Terry Fukunawa. Oh, really? You think so? Is that what the internet's saying? Yeah, they're saying it was like a dig. Yep, I didn't pick up on that, but... But yeah, they they go to the house, and then when they're at the front door, they're interrogating the guy that worked at the studio, who I guess was in charge of the vehicle, and then the next thing you know, the vehicle's outside, and it's on fire. Yeah, that was very intimate, man. I felt kind of spooked out right there myself. Once they made chase... Yeah, it was spooky. That mask was weird. Who wore that mask? I don't know, man. It looked like a marshmallow or something, you know? It looked like something out of um, uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, totally. And then the sequence through um, the homeless village. Ah, when they went through the fire, that was great. Yeah, right. Velcor was running off broken ribs trying to get it done. (laughs) But yeah, eventually uh, Bezridis turns the corner. She's about to get a shot fired off with the marshmallow-faced man. And the next thing you know, a truck almost slams into her. Velcoro rescues her. She's out of breath. I don't know why they don't continue to follow, too, by by the way, in this sequence. It just didn't make sense. There's a lot of things in this episode that are just kind of like, why would that be there? Like the pliers, too, back when uh, Frank took out the guy's teeth. Jeff uh, yeah. mentioned that to me on Facebook. Uh, there's no way to... Maybe he did know, though. But maybe Frank was like, you know what? I'm going to pull this guy's teeth out tonight if he gives me any flack. But yeah... Uh, yeah, I mean, look. He knows the game. He's coming prepared. Velcoro's got a... Um, find out what 
State's got on him. And he tries to, uh, you know, and trust Bez Regis. She thanks him for saving his life. The episode's en- episode ends with those sentiments of trying to go clean. So I think that's the story here tonight on the True Bobcast. The rise of Ray Velcoro. Ray Velcoro rises. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, everything isn't as it seems going on right now. I think we're all in for big shockers, big surprises, even though uh, we're already getting them. I think it's just going to continue. I'm hooked. Yeah, I'm hooked too here on the True Bobcast. Uh, Mick, thanks for calling in, and thank you, Michael Glasso, for your true story of True Detective here on the True Bobcast. Tune back in next week as we tackle all things True Detective.